Welcome to another episode of the History of the Pacific Islanders podcast. Today we'll be discussing Aboriginal culture. My name is Catherine Rice, and my co-hosts are Owen Newberry, Trevo, and Reed Ravenscraft. I think Reed is going to start us off with just a brief discussion about the geography in Australia, because it's very diverse and it plays a big role in their culture. Yeah, so basically what it is, it's basically three sections, to be honest with you. You know, the northern part of Australia is warm, it's tropical, and it has the Uluru, the big rock that many people go to see. It's got a large coral reef, the Great Barrier Reef. It consists of 3,000 smaller reefs, and it provides habitats. There's, a, there's also about 1,000 islands. It consists of rich caves, wildlife, and water features. But the reef is being threatened by climate change, overfishing, and pollution, stuff like that. Now we get into the central part of Australia. It's mostly flat. You know, there's arid deserts, scrubland, and this is where most of the farming actually takes place. The southern part is basically 75% forest. It's got eucalyptus trees, acai trees. It's temp- temperate weather, and it's got a unique animal population with marsupials, all the kangaroos, very unique animal population that is nowhere to be found on the, other, the rest of the world. And Aboriginal people live, you know, central to southern part, but the northern part is where the Torres Strait Islanders usually live. Mm-hmm. And they got two distinct groups that live in Australia, Torres Strait Islanders and Aboriginal people. They make it up, up about 3 to, th- three to 5% of the population today. Mm-hmm. So that's basically, you know, the landscape geography of Australia itself. So... I wonder what kind of uh, plants they grow mostly in Australia. Yeah, it's it's very unique. I mean, no, I'm asking what like, kind. Of, oh, what do you guys like think? agriculturally? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it corn? No. Don't they? Uh, it's a lot of sweet potatoes, right? Or yeah. like sweet potato-like plants. Well, especially in like the northern part, it's more consistent with like more tropical type crops because mm-hmm. it is a warmer, like more tropical climate up there but when you go south like if you go more south in the country it becomes a little bit harder to grow crops like that so it's kind of it's kind of weird too because like it's in our area it's probably better to grow plants in the southern part of our country i mean we're in the northern hemisphere it's you think it's 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 going to be hotter when it's south but it's kind of weird to think about if you're living in australia actually the north part is hotter than the southern part it's kind of weird to think about and and to that degree like the southern part of Australia is kind of down like where uh, I think my geography is kind of bad like Chile yeah like, it's, it's very south yeah it, it gets it's, cold yeah. like actually cold like our northern part does mm. um, yeah. yeah so that's a big thing to take into consideration it's definitely an interesting climate for sure yeah, yeah. just given the pure size of the island it's like you have so many different like, I don't even, um, like, different biomes and yeah. stuff. It's, I don't know, it, it's, it's just cool to look at, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, there's very, like, tropical areas, and then you have, like, the outback, and then you yeah. get all that, like, desert stuff that people think, oh, you walk 10 miles from the uh, shore in Australia, and then, boom, just orange sand yeah. for Straight miles. desert, yeah. <laughs> and that's a big part of, like, the various different, like, I believe they call themselves mobs of, like, groups 
of Aboriginal people um, and like the little differences in between each group. However, there's like a unity with the Aboriginal people as a whole. So like while they recognize that they each have little differences, there's a, a big a big combined unity. That's so much different than like the Melanesians too because I mean we learned about how the Melanesians they just <laughs> there get was all no outside. contact. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, don't well, welcome was, any outsiders anywhere. If it was anywhere. contact, there was war. Or, or like, yeah. It was yeah. not nice. It was not kind. See, part of me wonders how much of that came from more modern times, like as in they were a group that was oppressed. Very and, isolated and oppressed. Yeah. 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 That could create a lot of unity as in like shared hardship and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So, like in a similar fashion to how the Anzac Corps from World War One, yes, World War One, yeah. kind of like had a national or created like a national identity between like mm-hmm. yeah, New Zealanders and yeah. like Australian. Yeah, people. yeah, it gave them like a, a joining link and like something to fight for together. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess it's my turn next. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about um, uh, culture. So there are five things I want to talk tell you guys about today. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the dream time in Aboriginal culture. Um, the dream time is the term used to describe the Aboriginal creation stories and the spiritual belief of many Aboriginal groups. Just like people all around the world, they have belief in you know, spiritual belief. Uh, they love art and symbolism. Um, Aboriginal art is known for its intricate designs and use of symbols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, um, they have system in their society. Uh, Aboriginal culture often have complex kinship systems that dictate social relationship and responsibilities. Um, I know we talked about this before, but uh, did I tell you guys that in their... Um, so, uh, community, uh, the guys who can dance, the dancer, often, uh, often is the one who has the most responsibility. They're that's how the dancer, the guy who, dance. yeah, they're probably higher, high, high, higher social class. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So the guy who performs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. The um, to kind of touch on that, so Aboriginal as many cultures do, have a big value in their dance and um, it's used for like spirituality and ceremonies and stuff like that. And we'll touch on this a little bit later. But performers are very highly respected because it is a way of passing on stories and bringing the community together. And so like people who sing and play instruments and also dance and stuff like this are really, really really respected you see this all the time in olympics too like when let's say the united states is playing uh some type of country that does those type of dances like we've seen the haka performed like Mm -hmm. before events at the olympics like it's kind of it's kind of crazy it's like they're really they're really intense with it too Mm -hmm. they really care about their their uh spirituality yeah Yeah, dance and stuff yeah i feel um in a lot of cultures dancers are kind of like up on in like the same area of respect as like village elders or like um like like, like historians is yeah because like, it is a form of keeping history because a lot of dances they're not like 
ooh, let's hit the gritty or something. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not something that's supposed to, like... Be, be goofy. Yeah, it's uh, more like we went on a hunt, and, like, it was... A lot of those dances are, like, tales in and it, of Yeah, themselves. it's a storytelling yeah. element. Yes. And it's, mm. it, like, when it's used in, like, ceremonies and celebrations, it's, like... It's a religious experience. Yeah. Do they have any spiritual dance here in America where they do? Uh, not, of, uh, not like white American culture. No. I mean, there's no, like native cultures that definitely have like... Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, really. there's also like some, a lot of like immigrant cultures. So like yeah. just from different areas of the world. Not, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Like yeah. I know Germans have a lot of... Oh yeah, particular dances and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just that—that's also topical because I'm from Cincinnati, so like, yeah. a yeah. lot of us are German. Um, but there are a lot of spiritual dances from a lot of like mo- mother countries from outside the U.S. But I don't think the U.S. as a whole like really founded in time for like. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that's the difference. To yeah. develop, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But Native American culture is fascinating on that kind of stuff, especially mm-hmm. like dance and. Um, I don't even know how. Not like theater, but like, per, like performance. Per, performance if, based art. And yeah. yeah, it's just really cool because a lot of their stuff is like storytelling, but they also mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff where it's very like spiritual in nature, where it's like maybe like storytelling of creation or something. It's, yeah, it's really cool to watch too. If you go on YouTube or something, like mm-hmm. my history teacher back in high school would show me stuff like that. And it's this is cool. All right. Um, okay. Um, do you guys know about? the idea of uh, country for Aboriginal people? Yeah, so it's a... I'll pass this back to you real quick, but... uh, No, no, just uh, tell me. uh, Country is a term that, like, us Westerners don't really understand. It's it's very Aboriginally based, and it's it's a complex idea about, like... Really them as a whole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, really the best way to describe it is it's complex and yeah. it takes a little bit of like deeper thinking to understand it. So I'll let Tree no, really I, get into this. No, no, like uh, I mean, you you were on the right path there. Um, it's contrary to them, like you said before, it's something that they uh, they um, they need to give back, not something that people own here. You know? Right. It's like they, 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 they live on their land, they need to give back, you need to take responsibility with the land, protect it, all that stuff. Yeah. And the last thing I want to I want to touch on is the um, stolen generation and Aboriginal culture. Um, do you guys know that back in the day the Australian government have the um uh, what uh, like sort of like concentration camps where they force Aboriginal people um, to go in there and learn about white culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty horrible. And I think we saw the movie in class. Yeah, that yeah, movie really, that, that really, the movie really, I was interested. Because I've yeah. never, I've never actually known about that before right. the, I, 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 we watched the movie. It's kind of, yeah, kind of, it's like, why are we learning about this earlier? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. What that's, was that's, really interesting to me, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, but, you're all good. Um, was that they justified it by, saying that, like, by only targeting children of, like, mixed racial heritage, so, like, um, Aboriginal Australian mixed with, like, some white people or something, mm-hmm. like, they, to prevent, they, I th- this is a quote from the movie, I don't know if this was actually a quote from an actual person, but mm-hmm. it was to prevent the creation of an unwanted subclass yeah. or something, Yeah, which 
That's why I still beyond me. That's why I'm still shocked. There's three to five percent still today. I mean, they're still in kids. That's kind of right. And I think it's really similar to, and there was this practice in the U.S. as well, but I think is more was really heavily done in Canada, like the residential schools for Native children. Like, they did the exact same thing. Like, take the kids, put them into residential school, give them all white names, like, white Christian names, convert them, like, in that, like, culture cleansing that happened um, leaves severe generational trauma. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Like, crazy stuff. Um, I think what really stands out about the Australian... Um, like stolen generation is that they explicitly tried to breed out the aboriginal blood like it was they had like there was an old poster we saw it was like they targeted three generations to eliminate any aboriginal features like they were planning on forcing these people to have kids with white they didn't have a choice they didn't have a choice it was it is yeah, it's just so thinking, it's so gross it to look at like, a, to look at like a game plan for something like that. Like it's right. just it's gross to look at, um, like humanity wise, it's just not good. Um, and to kind of touch on Aboriginal dance and like how they've moved on from the stolen generation and like what we've got in modern time. So. Um, they are still practicing dances, obviously, um, because it's such a big part of Aboriginal culture, and traditional dance has now been incorporated into modern and contemporary forms. So they have a few cool organizations, like the Aboriginal Center for Performing Arts and the Bangara Dance Theater. And those two organizations have toured around the world sharing Aboriginal culture abroad and within their own countries. So that's really cool. Um, But there was a loss of culture because of the stolen generation, and that's in all aspects. It's not just dance. Um, And that's something that is a big problem. Yeah, like watching the movie, it was kind of hard. It was kind of hard just to watch, like them getting taken away from their just people. Yeah. It's just really hard to watch. And And honestly, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting watching them. Uh, leave the con- like the concentration camps and going home, walking all that way it took like what she was it three months or something. For it, them to it, get was, back. it was a big amount of time. It yeah. was it was pretty interesting to watch that that part of it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really sad. To see, it was really sad to see them getting taken from their families. Like it's just yeah, yeah. and um, the mourning process in which Aboriginals go through, and I'm I think I do not know. I think it may just be a more womanly thing to do to mourn like this, but uh, self-mutilation is a part of it, um, which is fairly common around the world. So, like, we saw images of the grandmother of the children who were taken away beating herself with a rock, and, like, that was a form of, like, mourning the loss. Yeah. Even though the, the kids weren't dead, they were like, lost yeah. to the family. Um, I don't know if we've kind of moved on from this a little bit, or if it's too far back, but 
Um, you were brought up the whole con- or the whole topic of dance and mm-hmm. and combining it with that with the whole like stolen generation thing is that I wonder how much has been lost to just lost to history because a lot of so a thing with like a lot of tribal cultures and especially cultures without any um, like written form of writing or uh, that writing um, duh. Uh, uh, like they don't have like a holy book like the yeah, bible yeah. a holy book or like records of anything yeah. like I wonder how much dance has been like just lost like a certain language to, and everything so like you right. can't really just mm-hmm. can't really cause if like the, if the guy who knows everything dies yeah. like it's like yeah. who's gonna who's gonna it's yeah. just it's just gone until you rediscover it or find someone else you can't really that knows depict it. a language you don't really right yeah. yeah and with the kids being taken away and being forced to learn like English like that's straight up I wonder how many languages they have they had thousand like that was a we watched a video on class air in class about that about how like you like travel a few miles down the road and they They say no a different way they got a whole new language it's like it's crazy right well i think that whole like language diversity applies to the pacific islands as a whole like Mm -hmm. i think it's the most um most diverse language or like what's the word um, like language speaking region in the world. Yeah. And the the language tree is the largest, like the, I forget. Mm-hmm. The I, diversity is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Should I take over my part? Yeah, yeah go okay. for it. Um, so I'm kind of the final part here. I chose to research. So how people keep time to me is kind of really interesting. Like I know there's many different calendars like um, that have different significance and I don't know, it's just, especially in, like, more ancient cultures or cultures that have origins before, like, you had a clock. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how they kept time and that kind of stuff is really interesting to me because it's a lot, it's based off a lot of different things that we do now. So, like, um, for Aboriginal Australian um, calendars, they were based off of astronomy a lot and, like, the corresponding ecology that came with it, so... What that kind of means is like, oh, the bear constellations in the air. And last time I saw the bear constellation in the air, it was time to harvest our crops. Obviously, I'm not being very specific, but like, mm-hmm. um, it's like noticing changes in the sky because those are regular and applying, like, and then just taking action because of that. Um, so, in most Aboriginal calendars, there's like six to seven seasons. It kind of varies, but with like, different regions and whatnot Mm -hmm. because you hit it on it earlier but australia is a hugely diverse island nation and it's there's just you can go from a totally different climate for like hundreds of miles away from another part but it's the same country Mm -hmm. um yeah so different aboriginal groups will have different calendars but most stay with like six or seven seasons um yeah so yeah, and they'll vary by name, obviously, because we actually just talked about this, but with how diverse their language is, yeah. it's yeah, you will get just totally seemingly random names almost, and then but they'll mean the same thing or mostly mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah, I think it's unique how they. I mean, obviously they're on a different side of the world than us. Uh, right, down the southern hemisphere, they're gonna have a completely opposite season than we have right now. Right. So yeah. yeah, I think it's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, and with the like. Going off of constellations, um, I like that they use that because constellations are consistent in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And like obviously we roll off of the equinoxes and the solstices. Yes. That's right. what changes our seasons. But like you see similar change in the ecology every year. So for them to like tie that together, understand like that's like their planting schedule as well. It really, it kind of reinforces the idea of country again because I really liked how our professor put it, like they're natural custodians of the land. Yes. They're, they're t- they understand that the land gives back to them and so they must give back to the land. Very much not ownership. T- like typical yeah. Western um, like ideas of land are... Yeah. Oh, I bought yeah. this. This you is my it. land. You can do what you want with it. Yeah. yeah. Country's like a, a holistic idea. You know, it, it's like law, right. place, custom, language, spiritual belief, like that. It's all put under one little yeah. umbrella. And yeah. it... One thing I like about their calendars is kind of what you were talking about, like how it ties back into the agriculture, is that it doesn't really far, follow hard dates at all, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense when you're talking about it in an agricultural sense when different crops are going to, like, some years you have a longer spring or whatever. Like, the conditions are, they vary year to year. So, therefore, when you harvest your crops, varies year to year. So, when your seasons don't follow a hard date, it's, they match up with those, like, variances in weather, whatnot, um, Mm -hmm. which it kind of can allow for more agricultural growth. Um, Yeah, so they're kind of determined more by, like, observation of different phenomena versus like a passage of time like oh yeah. it's march 23rd mm-hmm. like whatnot and it and it really allows for like nature to kind of catch up with itself because obviously if you have like a really heavy rainy season one year like you, based on a specific date on the calendar you can't just like right make the soil change yeah. to fit your they needs got like, you they just, got a lot of flexibility yeah, I guess, what they, yeah. Right. which is really important when you get to a lot of Aboriginal cultures towards like the south, southern part of Australia or more inland where mm-hmm. it does become a harsher climate is when you have like it having that a having that calendar in place in general helps you like survive because mm-hmm. you're able to grow food which you need to and prepare prepare for like what you need next right. what's coming up right. Um, but that like flexibility in it just kind of helps you like not pull your crops out um, preemptively or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which could be fatal in a lot of different cultures with harsher um, like environments and climates. I, I was about to touch on that. I was like, this place is harsh. There, yeah, the animal population is is pretty rough. A lot of it is um, quite deadly. Yeah. Talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and depending upon where you are in the country, like, if you're in the desert, like, that, that is a harsh living condition. And, like, towards the south where it gets colder and it's harder to grow things, like, stuff like that. And in the more tropical places, like, there's more right. wildlife. And then you got not... rabbits trying to eat your plants and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So. I feel like you, how you said, um, like, when you get more southern, it, it will get colder. Um, <laughs> people forget how south Australia really is. Yeah. Um, like this, they'll say they'll land down under, but they will put it like right under the equator. And um, it's not right under the equator. No, though. not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so like the whole outback, like desert climate, that will get so freaking cold at night. It's because like oh, yeah. I mean we have that phenomenon here in nights. the U.S. Yeah. Like it, the hot days, cold nights, but they yeah. amplify that more. <laughs> it's because the vastness of that desert plus like the 
geographical location of Australia in general, mm-hmm. it is not a recipe for uh, life, per se. Uh, an easy time, if you will. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, that kind of concludes what I have for my section, so. Yeah, I'm, I think this was a really good, productive conversation, and if anybody has any closing remarks. Before we, before we go, I want to ask you guys, have you guys ever been to a sp- Pacific Island? I or have Australia? Not. No? I have not, but it's definitely on my bucket Where would list you go? If you, if you were to pick an island, where would you go? I feel like Australia in and of itself would be really cool because the, uh, like, just all the different animals and plants there, too. It's, it's just so diverse, and I would like to just go and try and take it in. Would you go for the weather, or would you go just the, like... Tour. Tour, tour. yeah. Uh, the tourist inside me would probably take over. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, because the weather would be really cool. Like, that would be a cool vacation spot, especially if you're on the coast, because yeah. like, that's a big surfing area, too, um, depending on where you go. Yeah. But sometimes you yeah. will just die if you try to surf. But, yeah, um, yeah no, it, it definitely is a cool little place that's on my bucket list now personally i would go to bora bora <laughs> i think that'd be a great location for a vacation yeah 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 all of them i mean there's so much like landscape diversity through all of them so it's it, anywhere you went i mean i'm sure you would have an amazing time i personally would want to go to new zealand i think new zealand yeah. would be so cool I think it's one of two places in the world, I think the other being Iceland, that has fjords, which are just, like, yeah. huge, I don't know, like, I don't want to say canyons, because they're, like, steeper than that, but they're carved um, from glaciers moving, mm-hmm. and they're just so beautiful. Like, I think they're, on a lot of those are used in the set of, like, The Lord of the Rings. I was, what, yeah. I was about to bring up The but Lord that, of the like, Rings. But that, like, fantasy-esque... Um, Landscape. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. I cannot come up with words today. <laughs> um, but that, like fantasy landscape mm-hmm. totally exists on earth and it's wild yeah where'd you go tree um yeah, i would definitely want to go to new zealand new zealand yeah yeah i'd also go to hawaii too yeah i think yeah. hawaii would be a great place to go which Watch. i which i haven't been out of country so yeah yeah it's just all the same for me I've, I've only seen planes and mountains and i haven't seen really i've been to nicaragua eating. twice but wow. that's it not like any island nation or anything. So, yeah. All right. Any other closing remarks or uh, anything from the peanut gallery? <laughs> I think we're all good. Yeah. All right. Well. I'm good here. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. So. So I need to say goodbye though. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to this interesting conversation. Yeah. We'll see you in class. Right. Bye everybody. Bye. Goodbye.